Waypoint. I'm so glad that you could join us today. Happy Mother's Day to all those moms out there. If you haven't called or texted your mom, make sure you get on that. On May 15th, we're gonna be doing a women's build with Habitat for Humanity. So, if you are a 16-year-old female and older, I hope you join me. I'm signed up. Get on that Church Center app and sign up to join us and let's build something together. If you have a senior who's doing some kind of graduating, please contact Mitchell, who's going to be putting together the Senior Sunday. On May 17th, we're going to be starting to phase into church here in the building. Please watch the video link at the bottom and see what information Blair has to share with us. Now, we're going to join Blair and Tracy and dive into our service. Happy Mother's Day. We're so glad you're here. You're probably not going to get to go out to your favorite restaurant today. I imagine there'll be a lot of grilling. That's good. I hope you find some time to celebrate. In years past, uh, Tracy's been able to join me on Mother's Day. We weren't sure if that was going to work out with her schedule, but she is here. Where I'm, I'm happy about that. And uh, we are going to talk about Mother's Day. We're going to start with a video that celebrates moms. I hope you'll enjoy this. because she plays with me. And what I like best about my mom is she snuggles with me every day and every day. I'm grateful for my mom because of her open mind and her readiness to help us whenever we need it and to get us through. You've always prayed for me and taken care of me and blessed me in so many ways. Um, just thanks for being a great mom. Hi mom, thank you for everything you do for me. I can't thank you enough. We love you. One thing I love about my mom is she always makes us delicious dinners every night. Every night he's nice! I love when my mom plays basketball with me. I'm thankful for my mom because she always makes me happy and she makes me go to my potential. One thing I love about my mom is her playing our vacations because she always makes it so fun. I love when my mom takes the time to help me. She helps me get through tough times and she's always there when I need her. I love mom the most because she's really caring. One thing I love about my mom is that even though there's three of us, she always tries her best to make it to all of our events, and most of the time she succeeds. What I love most about you is how you give me nice, warm, warm and cozy hugs. To play games. I like when you cook me food, it's really awesome. And when we just hang out together, and when you read to me. Thank you so much for doing that all. like that. Um, but what we know is true is that there's all kinds of people in the room today and some of you may not have that expression. Um, for you young moms, maybe you get to have a piece of burnt toast in bed, some dandelions or some fun pictures that you get to stick on your refrigerator. 
For others moms, you get to celebrate the guidance that your mom has given you, the love, the joy, the happiness that she included in your life. Um, you might have some grilling. Um, for other moms or other people, we know that there's some sadness in the room. That you might have experienced a loss this last year, and we get it. Um, it's hard. And for some of you, you just rather skip Mother's Day altogether. So we know when we have all these different kind of people in the room, and you put us together, um, we become a community that understands that we're all in different places, we have different experiences, and at the same time we have one hope, and that's Jesus. So we're just going to pray and ask Him and invite Him into this space. Um, Abba Father, we are so glad just to be here and sit for a few minutes with our loving people at Waypoint. Um, the graciousness that is there is so impressive and loving. I thank you for that. And will you allow the words to flow that you need us to say? Um, will you chase away any darkness or fear that comes up and just allow us to communicate from our heart what you've put in our, um, in our way, in our responses, and the fact that we want to fall more in love with you. Just thank you. Be with everyone who's joining in, that they would sense a, a bit of your happiness inside of them. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, we've all been dealing with isolation over the last few weeks. Tracy and I have been still working, so we haven't seen it as much. But we have noticed it in a few areas. Because she's not been able to go out as much and visit with other people, she's been at home a little more often, and I've heard this from her mouth. She'll say to me at times, can we watch some entertainment that I like? Which is terrifying, because what I know um, she's talking about is no sci-fi, no action, no plot, and you don't use Rotten Tomatoes to... To judge it you use a chunk of cheese now if you don't know what that means basically I look at the movie and I'm like hey honey it's an 88 out of 100 on the cheesy scale I think you'll like it right so last week she asked me to find a movie that she would like and I, I'm trying to avoid the most like the worst kind of cheesy movie is a romantic comedy I can't stand those so I go looking for anything that I can find that's maybe offbeat that she'll enjoy and I happened to find one. I found one that had an actor that I liked, and I thought to myself, there might be a few moments of comical relief. And that's, that's the high bar that I set for it. If I laugh a few times, I'm good. And so we started watching this movie, and as we got into it, I realized I was really enjoying it. And then it struck me, oh, we're going to eventually have to talk about this, because it was dealing with some content that I think a lot of followers of Jesus misunderstand. Yeah, like Blair said, I don't watch TV very often, um, romantic comedies even less often. I'd rather watch The Voice or a medical show, listen to a TED Talk or some good music or a great podcast. That's really kind of what my enjoyment comes from. But given the choice of one more sci-fi show where an alien comes out of a belly or something lame or tame, that is exactly where I'm going. So that's what I choose. Anyway, back to our movie. So there's this psychiatrist who lives in a revolving rut of the same pattern day after day. He sleeps, he wakes, he eats, he listens to other people's problems, and then he listens to his girlfriend's accomplishments when he goes home, and then he goes back to sleep. Same thing, day after day. His girlfriend loves him. She loves him so much that she tells him, I don't ever want you to change. But through a course of events, he starts to realize that something is off. He realizes he's not just bored, he's actually unhappy. So he does something totally out of character. He packs his bags and goes on an adventure to find happiness. He has no idea where he'll go. He has no idea how long he'll be gone. But as he gets on the plane, 
um, accidentally a gift falls out of his luggage and he finds that his girlfriend has given him a journal to record everything that he finds. So she wasn't happy about him going, but she gave him this gift. And on this adventure you begin to see him start to awaken. It was so intense at times I shuddered. And there were times I laughed hysterically and then there were also times where I was so sad it just brought tears to my eyes. And yes, there were some moments where I actually talked to the Tim. Like, I was like, oh my goodness, this is so wrong. Don't do she, it. Don't do it. She talks to the shows more than she wants to admit. <laughs> and I have to remind her, do you understand they can't hear you, right? I know. I know that he can't hear me. Mm -hmm. But he was making some terrible choices in the name of happiness. And I was so frustrated for him. I could just see what was going to happen next. But thankfully, the whole movie wasn't like that. So as he met different people, he would ask them, what brings happiness to you? What's your definition? And as I would share that definition with him, then he'd look at them in the eye and say, so does that mean you're happy? Now, in other words, he was trying to ask them, if you found what brings you happiness, are you actually living in that happiness? And that caused people to take a pause. So now, right now, I'm going to ask you to take a pause and ask you, how do you define happiness? This might be something you can answer right now, or it might be a great conversation starter with your family or throughout the week. But then the second question is after that is, are you happy? It's a dangerous question. Mm -hmm. What are you supposed to do if you're not happy? What was interesting about the movie that we were watching is people would define happiness, but many of them would respond to his question, are you happy, by saying, I'm not. Mm -hmm. And yet what was interesting about the movie is they kept pursuing happiness the way they had defined it. They didn't change anything about it. So they were still giving a lot of energy, a lot of effort, a lot of resources, a lot of emotion to go after this thing that they weren't experiencing. It sounds like something we would do as people where you don't stop and ask yourself, does this make sense? You just give it more effort. And there's an area in our lives that we give lots of effort to, and that's the roles that we have in life. For me and for many other moms here, it's about being a mom. We give effort, lots of effort. We try harder. We try to make sense of things when they go wrong. We try to pick up pieces when they fall apart. And sometimes things just don't make sense, ever. Honestly, I love being a mom. Most of my kids are gone, and if I could pack an RV, a little tiny RV, and go live in their driveway, I would totally do that. Hmm. Yeah, I would. <laughs> but that love doesn't come without sacrifice on my part and on theirs. The sacrifice for me began as my belly started to change, and it morphed to hauling weight around for multiple months. There was pain in childbirth that has been around ever since Eve first gave birth to Cain, and I cannot imagine what her surprise must have been like way back in the day when she didn't have a provider there for her. What about you, who received the call that you've been waiting for after months or even years, that the little one that you've been desiring has shown up and is ready for you? Here we are, we have a child. There's exhaustion, lack of sleep, potty training, toys thrown in and out of the car and is not mommy's favorite game but that's baby's game books you read so many times that you've memorized them and those pages are tattered or even ripped but you still know them you've memorized them there's legos under your feet fevers in the night they eat you out of every snack you have and then they find your hidden drawers and treats too 
Then there's the precious moments when life is in sync. You're elated and they snuggle next to you. It's quiet. And then the next thing you know, you're down the hall and they've put poop or makeup all over the wall. You didn't teach them that. Who taught them that? Nobody did. They throw a ball through your window. Nobody gave them that type of encouragement. But somehow, it happens. You go to school, they find a friend, either they fit in or they have some real difficulties with friendship. And you stand by them. You go through middle school in those kind of awkward years where there's things that are developing in them and friends are changing. You find out what they like to wear, what they like to do, and you try to find ways to help them be successful. You help them with studies, talk about their life dreams, and support them as they pursue them either through academics or music, computer, sports, science, Olympiad, hands-on skills, theatrical gifts, the list goes on and on. They should actually make a movie about how epic moms are. Maybe even a cheesy movie. This spring. Only one hero can save her family and prevent disaster. Mom, we're going to be late for school. I don't think so. Whoa. Experience the phenomenon that critics are calling inspiring. Mom, I can't find number 17. Come on, Billy. Dig deep. A lot of fun. And pure genius. Mom, where's my phone? Table. Keys. Mudroom. Dragon Man. Under the couch between the monkey and the flip-flop. How does she do that? Created by God to demonstrate his love with grace, elegance, and poise. Butane torch? I love it! It cracks me up. It just shows you how many hats that moms wear. Oh love this one. My son bought this for me. And it shows the tasks that we do and stretch out in front of us day after day after day. And before you know it, you're preparing to send them off to college or to move into an apartment and start their job or to move across states or countries. You cheer them on as they begin their life, and there's a loss inside that's so hard to explain until you go through it. You keep in touch by stalking Facebook, and you see things on there that become disappointing. You find out about depression or sadness or frustrations after the fact, because they're no longer in your home. You care about their choices, you care about the misunderstandings that happen to them, even though they're far away. One thing that's constant through it all is sleepless nights, moments of fear, concern, and sometimes the bad moments seem to outweigh the good. Where's happiness in all that? Now, we know we can't be happy all the time, but maybe this brings us to an important question, though. Is it okay for a mom, or really in the life of any follower of Jesus, 
to make happiness a goal? Is it something that you can desire? Is it something that you can pursue or that you can want to have as a longing of your heart to see fulfilled? For many people, the answer to that question probably lies with how long they've been around church. For people who've been around church for a long time, their answer is probably very quickly, no, that's not, it's not a good thing for you to follow. They've heard stuff like happiness is attached to happenings. It's all circumstantial. And so because it's temporary, that's not anything that you want to give yourself to or pursue or desire because it's, it's not like joy, which is an internal thing. Happiness is an external thing, and you should probably want to go buy that. For others who haven't been around church very long, they might just simply ask the question, why wouldn't God want me to be happy? Is there really a difference between joy and happiness? And I think part of the problem is some of the definitions that we've got on this have come from spiritual leaders who have given us what we think are well-reasoned kind of ideas, but here's the problem. They are not the final authority on what's accurate about this. The scriptures are. And when you take a look at what the scriptures say about this topic of happiness, I think you'll find that we have misunderstood what God has said. So there's a pastor who actually looked at what happiness has to do with. He found 2,700 scripture passages where words such as joy, happiness, gladness, merriment, pleasure, celebration, cheer, laughter, ha ha ha, delight, jubilation, feasting, exaltation, and celebration are used 2,700 times. And that did not even include the actual closest, best translation or definition of happiness, which is blessed or blessing. So what's true? Church leaders have given us their idea about it, but God has breathed words into life that we find in scripture that are full of ideas that we can taste and experience happiness. So if we turn to John 13, 17, now you know these things. He had just given them a bunch of instructions. You will be blessed if you do them. Blessed. So if you look up the Greek definition of blessed, go ahead, it'll give you two words. Blessing and happy. Following the way of Jesus, living it, putting his instructions into your life actually creates happiness. That's very true with the Hebrew as well. I'm going to take you to Proverbs chapter 16, verse 20, which reads, Whoever gives heed to instruction prospers, and blessed, or happy, is the one who trusts in the Lord. Now, a lot of you might say, man, I don't know if that's an accurate representation. So here, I'm going to give you some helps here. We're going to put a website up that's called studylight.org. It's a very easy website to use, and when you pull it up on your screen, it'll come up with a, a section where you can type in any verse that you want to search. So you hit that search button, and it will bring up that verse in a very literal translation, which is really helpful because you can see what it's actually all about. And then right above it, you're going to see some options. It gives you concordances, all kinds of study helps, but the last one on that is the Strong's Concordance. And if you click on that, it will bring up the verse in Greek or Hebrew, and then you can scroll over whatever word you want to understand and click on it, and it will bring up the definition. If you go and do that for these verses that you find the idea of blessing or blessed, you will find what we have found. 
that oftentimes the first definition is happiness or happy. And it's been written in there. So despite what we've been told all of these years, the scriptures are littered with, full of, overflowing with this idea of happiness. And I think maybe that's part of the problem, is that sometimes we look at our lives and we're not happy. And it's easier to discount the idea of feeling happy than to wrestle with why we're not. Because the reality is, Mother's Day is not every day. There are up days, down days, going through the motion days, being taken for granted days, and add to that the pressure of quarantine, and sometimes there are short-tempered days. What's relieving about being a mom or being in any role is that it's not just one single experience. It's a story unfolding. So for those of you who are not a mom, I'd like you to substitute your role in the question that I ask. Whatever that is, whether it's being a child, a dad, a teen, grandparent, whatever. What defines happiness for you as a mom? Are you happy as a mom? Is happiness worth pursuing? And how do we find it in the pile of expectations that we experience every day? I think before we can even pursue it sometimes, we have to decide that it's an okay thing to even think about. Mm -hmm. For many of us, um, because of what we believed about happiness, it's not even on the docket of something that we would be open to. So even if it was just to explore it a little or to even define it better, that would go a long way for helping us understand what's going on in our lives with happiness. For many of us, we're far more comfortable knowing what happiness is not. Yeah. We know it's not pleasure. We've watched people try to pursue pleasure and get happiness. We know that doesn't work. We know it's not accumulating stuff. We've watched people do that and it's never enough. It's always more and more and more to be happy. In the movie that we were watching, he made an observation that he wrote in that journal that Tracy was talking about. And he said, it seems to me that people believe happiness will be in the future. Mm -hmm. It's nothing that they would experience right now, but if they achieve more, do more, seek more, get more, they could eventually have it. For some people, they experienced happiness when they were younger, and now they're trying to recapture that because they think it's something that they've lost. And so it's never been this present thing that you have. It's always something that you, is out of your grasp. So it might be helpful if we could start to get a better definition of it because we know it so well by what it's not. But I wonder what the scripture would tell us that happiness is. So let's look there. Yeah, because I, like Blair, grew up hearing that happiness was the world's gift and joy was what God gave you. It was like this kind of measuring stick. But I really wanted to know what the difference, like Blair said, is between happiness that a respected friend that I watched go through her life chasing happiness and destroying her life. How is that different than the happiness that God talked about? Because what she wanted was to be happy. What I'm asking is to be happy, but am I allowed? I don't know. So we're going to go look at an actual literal interpretation in Ecclesiastes 7.3. Sorrow is better than laughter, for when a face is sad... The heart may be happy. Have you ever been around someone where there's a really hard or sad conversation and instead of responding well, they laugh? When something tough comes up, they laugh and turn away, can't handle it, they can't show their cards, they can't be part of that conversation. What's really happening is they're blocking it out. 
It's like my friend blocking what was going on in her life, and she was chasing down other things to fill them, and it wasn't even real, and there was always a craving for more, whether it was the bottle or whether it was how she looked or whether it was what she did or the experiences she had or how many people she knew or how many people liked her on Facebook. Whatever it was, it was like she was so hard-pressed and didn't want to feel what was real. And sometimes that's us, we don't want to feel what's real. It's just easier to move on and look for something else to fill our lives. What's sad is what's out there, whatever we're chasing, will always leave that craving for more like Blair talked about. Real happiness is contentment. It's what's in the deep, no matter what shows on our face. That sadness, we can relate with other people and give them sadness in the moment, while understanding that in our heart we have that happiness from Christ from living in Him that doesn't go away, no matter what the circumstances are. It's an inner sense of being blessed, or having been blessed by God. How does that happen? Because it starts in the heart. It's where life starts beating. That place where real life bubbles out. It's the place where He grows us. It's the place where God moves us. And it can redeem any sad situation because it's blessed by God. It's content and happy in Him. Because it's a heart thing, it's a God thing. And you'll see that throughout the scriptures that you go, it has to do with how you're responding to what God's doing. And I have an example of that in 1 Peter 4, verse 14. This is Peter writing, If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed or happy. You're happy for that. Why? For the spirit of glory and God rests on you. See, the insulting moment is not the thing that makes you happy. There's nothing about that that's good. But the thing that's going on is that God is doing something in and around and through you. And you're attaching your worth and your value to what God is doing in, around, and through you. And in this case, God's resting on you. And because God is resting on you, your heart is able to respond in a way that's happy and blessed because it has the bigger picture in mind, not the moment of insult. And because I have the sense that God is resting with me, I can respond through my heart. Yeah. Moms, and those of you with roles in life, all of us together, this is what real happiness produces in us. Proverbs 31:25. The virtuous woman is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. Laughter. She can laugh at the days ahead. She's not hiding under guise of false pretense. In the face of mysterious, disruptive twists and turns in the road, she can laugh. How can she do that? Because her happiness develops over time. Choice after choice of letting the light of life of Christ bubble up and come out from inside of her. The future isn't the place of happiness down the road. That's not what the verse is saying. It's now. She can laugh now at the days that are coming. I think it's about discipline. I think it's about practicing that and letting that come from our heart of love. That's a magical, beautiful place. The motive that a mom lives with is a, is a desire to express a deep love. The thing is, when you have deep love, there's also the potential for deep sadness. Mm -hmm. 
When there's a deep sense of caring, then there's the potential that you're going to worry or have these fretful moments that you have in your life. The, the, the deep sense of love opens you up to experience some pain, worry, and fear that you maybe wouldn't have had because of that. And at the same time, it gives you these moments of just sheer happiness where you're just thrilled because of the love that you have. But here's the thing. This love that God is doing, that's what He's doing in, through, and around your life. And it becomes evident that you're loving in a way because, here, like it or not, there is a whole pile of emotions that come with that. So what comes with that is there is happiness that you feel because you're expressing love. But so does the rest of the emotions come along too. And here's the thing. If you can find a way to understand that when you express a deep sense of sadness, that all that means is that God has grown a love in you for somebody else that's bigger than you, then there can be a place, a source of happiness because of what God's done in your heart. See, all of those negative emotions that you feel, that you look at the pile and go, I'm not feeling happy right now, could still be a source of happiness if you understand that God has given you a gift, a gift of love. Mm -hmm. And with love comes that whole, the whole pile. But if you'll respond to God with an understanding that you have put in my heart an opportunity to love, and though I am sad right now, I am blessed to love this way. Though I'm in pain right now, I am blessed to feel this way and that your blessing is upon my life and I can be happy because of what God is doing in, around, and through me. Yeah, as I thought about the reason I was yelling at that TV, I was saying, don't do it, don't do it. It was because earlier that night I had had an argument with my daughter. And that was what I think I had wanted to say. It got so intense that I actually wrote a letter and signed it saying that I would not talk to her again unless she talked to me first. I mean, who does that? I don't know. Maybe a quarantined, overstressed mom who was working way more hours than I ever thought possible. And I'm coming home and being tired and seeing life kind of just fall apart around me. Or it feels that way. But the next morning I woke up. And Jesus was faithful. I had opened the Bible, and there's a place in there that talks about what they were eating, the Pharisees were eating, were saying that they would corrupt their heart. And being tired and quarantined and working more than I want and not eating well and not sleeping well are all things that could corrupt my heart. But note, Jesus flipped that all on a dime, and he said, the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and that is what makes a woman or man unclean. What was coming out of me was making me unclean. Not all of the excuses that I was giving. Somewhere in my heart, I wasn't allowing God to show up and grant happiness when I was feeling so, so angry. I don't always let him work on my heart. I don't always let him give me happiness. I become detached from him. I get so busy, I get so distracted, lonely, filled with excuses, and I would rather have that easy life that we find in those pink flower Christian cover journals that other moms have, and I just don't have that kind of life. I don't, I don't measure up to it. I'm sassy, I get frustrated. 
I have out-of-control tongue moments that I don't want anyone else to know about. I get depressed and sad and fearful moments and they steal my happiness. But they all come from that place. The same place that happiness comes from, they're coming from that space of my heart. So what am I feeling it with? So like that psychiatrist, I'm going on a journey this year. Lots of people have words they use for the year. I've decided that mine's going to be happiness. And I'm going to take along my journal. And I'm going to write down, whoops, upside down. I'm going to write down whatever God brings to me over this year. I know the source comes from Him. I know that happiness is part of what He's doing and growing inside of me. But I need to be more intentional about that focus. That's where I want happiness to come when my heart is sad. And instead of writing silly letters like I did, I want to write, I love you, I love you, I love you. We're going to get through this. We're all going to get through this. This butterfly journal is just like having that metamorphosis that comes from being a butterfly. And I'm asking God to spread my wings with happiness this year. I want to share more about this with you over the year. But what I'm asking God to do for you is to awaken you as your story unfolds in Him with His true, authentic, life-giving, bubbling over happiness. That's what I'm asking Him. So thanks for joining us. I hope you'll find something in today that causes you to go back to Christ and just ask Him, can you grow happiness inside of me? I know He'll do it. So thanks. Love you guys. And I never go 
happiness and that love you have deep inside of you. Guess what? We'll see you next week.